This is the Bare Naked Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Party. I'm a mindfulness mentor and breathwork facilitator who's here to bring you unfiltered conversations about mindset, spirituality, holistic healing, and entrepreneurship. Bare Naked Soul is about expressing who you truly are underneath it all as you shed the layers of who you think you're supposed to be. This is my journey of letting my authentic soul speak in hopes that it inspires you and teaches you to explore and express who you really are too. Hi girl, welcome back to Bare Naked Soul. I'm super excited you're here for my interview with Manuela. You're going to love her. I love her. She's pretty awesome. And she's from Girl Gone Green. So yes, this episode is about the environment, sustainability, but we got so much, I don't know, we just had like a really open, free-flowing conversation about so many real things that go on in our lives. Um, talking about like the all-or-nothing mindset that so many of us tend to get stuck in, going all in for something, and then going in too far and having to move backwards. And you guys know the whole drill around that. Um, we talk about minimalism, something I'm also super interested in. So um, intentional living. Yeah, lots of juicy things today. I think you guys are going to love this one. Before we dive in, Magnetize is open for enrollment. This is my upcoming group program. We are going to dive deep into manifestation, the law of attraction, but it's so much more than that. Because if you're new to this world or if you've been playing with this for a long time, you know the things that stop us from manifesting what we want is the anxiety, the doubt, the fear, right? Those things that take away our belief that we can even have what we want, that stop us from even taking the actions we need to take. So a part of this program is going to be how to actually clear those quote, negative emotions on such a deep level. We're going to be doing the work to clear those and teaching you how to do that on your own on a regular basis so you can go naturally back into the vibe so that you can feel good, so you can become a vibrational match for what you want and start to take the actions that align you fully with it, making that your lifestyle. And this program not only teaches you all of that, but it's gonna provide accountability and support to actually stick with it. So if you've tried manifestation before, if you if you go in and out of the vibe a lot, if you're feeling good, you're believing in it, and then you fall off, this is going to be for you because I'm going to be supporting you for six, actually eight weeks to guide you, answer your questions and help you bounce back quicker so you can stay in the vibe and really start to see your manifestations come to life. It is so beautiful. Um, yeah, it's going to be amazing. So hop into the show notes and check out the program. Okay, here's my interview with Manuela. All right. Hello, everyone. I have Manuela here today to chat with us. And what you guys should know is we're both obsessed with planet Earth. And you guys know I'm a huge nature lover. Um, I, I could spend a whole day like laying in the grass. You guys have seen this on my Instagram story. You've seen it on my podcast art. But I haven't been the best at being eco-friendly, if we're being really honest. And I'm, I'm ready to start. I'm ready to improve. I'm ready to learn. And that's why Manuela is here. She's amazing. Manuela Barron is a sustainability expert, activist, and founder of The Girl Gone Green, an inclusive community of over 100,000 that fosters social and environmental change in a kind, compassionate way. Former host of Cheddar University, Ted TEDx speaker, YouTuber, and Airy Real role model. Welcome, Manuela. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to chat this morning. Yay. Okay, let's start off with your background. You have a super interesting story. I would love for you to share it with us, how you became Girl Gone Green. Um, yeah, let's hear it. You know, it's been really interesting because in the last like week or so, I've been very reflective of my life. And I've been looking back and there's all these moments recently where people have been like, you've changed. It's like, really? Have I changed? Or have I truly come into to myself? And I've been thinking back of like how I got here 
and thinking, no, I think I connected more of who I truly am and kind of like a back to earth moment rather than, um, oh my God, you're like a completely different person. And so I guess that really kind of sets the tone is I was not a nature lover. I was not someone who would sit out in the grass. <laughs> I was probably the opposite. I was a girly girl who loved to shop and loved fashion and wanted to be like a news journalist and a fashion designer. <laughs> and like, that was my life. You couldn't have told me anything about the environment or didn't take environmental science in school, even though it was an option. So to have that full 360 and end up being my job is now to be an environmental activist and I only work on these projects and it's a huge passion of mine is, is like, wow. But how I got there is I started traveling more after high school, I moved to Paris by myself. I was 18. It was an eat, pray, love journey. It was a romanticized idea of what it'd be like to live in Paris. And it delivered. There were definitely moments where you're like, I'm in a movie right now. Like it is raining and I'm under an umbrella at the Eiffel Tower with a French man. Oh my gosh. But I think leaving your circle and leaving where you are, whether that's going to another city or going to another neighborhood, it gets you out of your own perspective. And I think that's really what happened to me is I am Colombian, but I grew up in the US and I grew up so wanting to fit in, but never truly fitting in and never really finding my place. And so I tried, I tried really hard. I thought, oh, if I dress different, then they'll like me. If I speak differently, then they'll like me. If I'm you know, adopt and mold. If I eat the right food for snacks, whatever it was, I was trying so hard to fit and, and, and be, <clears throat> and I grew up in a very, uh, wealthy community and I didn't really have the same means as everyone. So I think that added like an extra layer of, of consumption to try to like make myself something I wasn't. And so I leave this world. I leave this and I go to like a completely different environment. And I realize, wow, all these women are fabulous. Like I would just sit there and stare at French women all day and be like, they're amazing. They wake up, they have messy hair, they put on lipstick and they walk out the door and they eat a pastry and they're tiny and skinny and flawless and like confident. And you're like, how did they do this? they're not wearing anything colorful. They like shun you if you wear color. Like they are like, I, I went um, on the Metro once with a big red coat. And I remember I've never been stared at more in my life in a negative way than wearing a red coat in France. Cause that was like a no, no. I was like, okay, no red coat. But really I, I, I learned from this experience was um, that you didn't really need a lot and I think that was the big thing. These women would make these elaborate, beautiful meals with like one pot versus in the US, we have the KitchenAid and we have the slicer and the juicer and this and that, and they had tiny kitchens. So they just did what they did. And their meals were five times better than any meal I had ever eaten. So you're like, okay, so they dress better, but they dress with less. They're more confident, but they're not trying to prove anything. They're making these beautiful meals, but they don't have have a ton like, there's something here and it kind of led me on this minimalistic journey of realizing they are that way because that's who they are they don't need these like exterior shields to make them and it was really kind of this journey of of realizing that like I was I was already there in my true full self and I didn't need all this clothes to make me happy or fancy phones or fancy this and exploring like what that looked like. And then the synergy is that sustainability ended up coming along with it. Once I got interested in that, I really came back to the earth and realized, wow, okay, there's all these issues going on that I really care about that are universal. No matter if I'm in Paris or I'm in Florida, there's trash. No matter if, you know, we're somewhere there's, there's water quality problems. There's so many things that we're dealing with. And it was kind of shifting and seeing like, how, how can I be a part of it? Because, uh, you know, I'm part of the problem. How can I be part of the solution? And it threw me into a personal development journey, a sustainability journey, a minimalist journey. And then it just kind of went from there and each journey led to like a new chapter. And I'm currently feel like I'm about to flip the page to another chapter. And it's kind of scary, but I don't know what's next, but it, it's there, you know? And I think that's the exciting part is, is that 
at a core, we all are who we need to be. And I think through like childhood and through adulthood, we're shifting and molding and, and maybe our goals and expectations are based on, on being someone we're not. And that's kind of the beautiful journey that has been is finding like, who am I? Yeah. Wow. I love it. And you're, you're such a beautiful storyteller. You're, you have a great voice for this. You're awesome at telling all of that. It's so compelling, which is part of why I was so excited to have you on the show. Um, but I really want to talk about minimalism. I think that's interesting. That's kind of where your story started. I didn't realize that. So I'm very interested in it. And I definitely found that learning about like the hedonic treadmill concept of like the consumerism where you just you want the next thing and you think that's the thing that's gonna make you happy the new car the handbag the whatever but then you just immediately look for the next thing so what's what's been i guess how has minimalism been part of your life what have the benefits been to you why do you think it's important for people to know about it right I definitely came into minimalism when it was at the peak of like the minimalist and like millennial minimalist aesthetic. And I was like, yeah, okay. I got to wear all black and I have to have like no furniture. It's going to be great. And I did it. And I realized that wasn't really me either. And I think we have this misconception that it has to look a certain way or be a certain way, but really it's kind of the philosophy of finding what is true and valuable to you versus what's true and valuable to society, which is you're swimming against the current. And so it's always going to be hard. So I moved into an apartment and I furnished it the way I wanted to. I put no coffee table, no, there was no tables. <laughs> there was a couch and a bed and like no tables. There was like countertops with no tables and people lost their mind. When they came over, it was beautiful. Like very, like probably the most like pretty apartment I've had, but people would lose it when they came. They're like, you don't have a coffee table. You don't have an end table. You don't have a rug. They're like, this is you, what are you doing? It's like, I don't need that. Why would I need that? I, I don't, I don't need that in my life. So it, it was just kind of what fit, but I do think that me and in, in my journey through minimalism, I've had like extreme moments. I've had less extreme moments, um, but it helped me focus on what was essential to my life. And there's a great book called essentialism, highly recommend reading it. Um, but at the same time, like it was like, what do I truly care about? And I think that some of the people that recently told me I, I've changed is because when I was younger, my definition of success would have been having luxury purses and, you know, the red soles on my shoes and living in New York City and having like a corner office. And that was success. And that was like happiness. And if you ask myself right now, I'm like, I feel happy when I'm outside. If I get to go to a coffee shop, which is very rare because of the pandemic, I'm like so happy. I'm happy. Like my dream is to have like land and to have community and have big dinners and it's so different and I think it took for me minimalism to realize that there were things that were important to me that weren't materialistic and that my goals not only with success and finance in my life needed to be shaped differently and that doesn't mean that I don't want like financial success and stability but it, it means that I won't have like this dopamine hit when you're like, Oh, look, this fancy purse. You're like, great. It's a fancy purse. Like nice. It'll last me a lifetime, but it's not, um, the end all be all. And I think that we're often, like you said, we're on this treadmill of what's next and what's next and what's next. And during the pandemic, a lot of us don't have social interaction. We're pretty isolated. And what did we see? We saw us maybe shopping more, maybe buying more things like we really didn't need or hobbies we might try, but we probably won't. And I found myself feeling like, oh, if only I buy this nice thing, I'll feel better. And it, it didn't make me feel any better. And I realized that I bought a, a few really stupid purchases just because I felt like I needed to, or I felt uh, compelled by the ad, or I felt like, oh, maybe that will like help me fill the void of isolation, which is a social isolation that we have right now. 
Um, when really that's that's not really the case. And I think there's an opportunity to connect back to the earth, find intention with your belongings. And minimalism doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to be black. It could be colorful. It doesn't have to be like white walls. Um, but it's finding things that truly bring you value rather than the things that you're supposed to have based on outside value. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like minimalism for me, I don't really practice like necessarily trying to have a very small amount of things. It's more like the intention behind making a purchase, the intention behind wanting something. Why do I want this? What do I feel like I'm going to, how am I going to feel different after this? So yeah, I think it's just all about tuning more into yourself and saying, what do I truly value and what do I want? And how do I want to spend my time and money and resources versus um, yeah, like when I was younger too, like, yeah, it was all about like, well, I need a Louis bag or I need this car. And then I think I'll feel successful and it, and it didn't like, but there's nothing wrong with those things. It's just, they weren't the things that were aligned with me. And I feel like the journey for me, a lot of it has been really like getting honest with myself about like, what do I even want besides what the world tells you you're supposed to want? which I think is what leads to us to just want the next thing because we're just being like advertised so heavily to like need all of these things. So what is it that you do want? Uh, travel is like something my soul like deeply, deeply calls me to. So more and more travel. I travel a lot, but I want to travel more. Um, and I honestly like I, I never thought I would say this, but like my house feels huge. I would love like a smaller house with, with a yard and spend more time traveling and be exploring the world and in other places. Um, time in nature is so important to me, even if that's just walking barefoot in the grass or like dining on a patio, <laughs> it's not really nature, but yeah, the sunshine on my face, um, a, commu a sense of community. I feel kind of isolated working from home and I'm I would love to have feel more of a sense of community with other people. Um, yeah. When you mentioned like the big, the big dinners, I was like, yeah, yeah. Yes. Dinners, group dinners, having fun. Oh man. My mom yesterday said um, her sister is comparing herself a lot to social media mm -hmm. and like, but blah, blah, blah is so skinny and successful in life. And my mom's like, yeah, but you're, what do you post on, on Facebook? You post your amazing grandchild and your great life and your beautiful daughter. And I thought to myself, like, what do I compare myself to online? Like I spent a lot of time on social media. This is my world. Obviously we all compare each other and we have that like pain point. And I realized recently my pain point is I'm so sad and jealous when I see people with their friends and like having fun because it's like not something I can do right now because of the pandemic and the people I love and I want to keep safe. And it was so sad because it's like, we are such social beings and we need that. And we're the society we've built. We're in little cookie cutter houses and little boxes separated from each other. And we just lost community. And it's so sad. And I just, I think like, end all be all, I want to like do something different and change that because I think all these people are so lonely. We're all lonely together, which is kind of like the sad thing. We're lonely, but by other lonely people. So we could just like come together. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I, I deeply feel that. And I, I know that a lot of people, a lot of people say that they don't, or maybe they really truly don't. Like when working from home, they don't get lonely. I definitely do. And I would love to create some type of like an in-person community. I've, I've ex kind of been exploring different options for that. I've been um, looking into doing like I facilitate breath work. So like I'm doing now like in-person breath work workshops at yoga studios in my city. And um, yeah, I, I agree. I think we we really lost something when we decided we all had to live in giant houses so, so far away from each other and um, completely lost that. And I, it's really crazy to learn too about like the importance of social community and connection for our health, like our gut health. It's really detrimental. Wow. Yeah. Something else I wanted to, uh, to, to touch on from what you said. Um, I tend to, I, I'm feeling that this is maybe something you register with. It's definitely something that I do, but like when you learn about a subject and you start to dive in, your, your mind kind of goes to like all or nothing. And it's like, okay, I'm going to do this all the way. And then it's almost like a pendulum where you're on one, you swing fully to one side um, or the other 
almost too with even with like um intentional purchases slash minimalism like swing to one side or the other do you tend to do that and how do you think we can find more balance with that yes I have gone to the extreme of everything (laughs) um for sure I definitely think that I got interested in minimalism and then I had this like desire to have less and less and less until I lived out of a backpack and was like traveling Asia and I on my trip like I had only packed a certain amount of clothes into this tiny rolling suitcase backpack thing and as I went along I was like I don't need this shirt I don't need this shoe and by the end of it I had like one pair of shoes (laughs) and I was wearing sneakers with dresses to meetings like I had a meeting in like in Taiwan and and I showed up in a dress and sneakers because I didn't own any other shoes. And I was just like, what am I doing with my life? Like, it's okay to own a pair of sandals. <laughs> like it is okay to do that. But I just, I felt like free. And I do think that in the moment it served me, but I, I think something like that and swinging to one side or another is still this external validation. You know, I still think there was like this external pressure to be like the best minimalist or like something versus its sustainability or it might be like an internal pressure you put on yourself. Like people aren't putting that pressure on you. It's all in your head. But I do think it's still attached to outside forces rather than saying like, what is truly minimalism for you or what is intentional for you? I've kind of moved away from like minimalism and more into like conscious living and intention because I think it helps people a little more. When they think of minimalism, they think of the aesthetic and it's like, no, like what is intentional for you? Is this an intentional um, item for you or does it stress you out and bring you burden. Like, where am I going to put it? How am I going to clean it? Like, where does it go? Like it's making a mess. It's stressing me out. Cause the mess is stressing me out. And instead saying like, Hey, what is, is truly valuable to your life, to your home, to your relationships. And then moving from there. But I, I still struggle where I get into something and I'm like, okay, I'm like obsessed with this topic and won't talk about anything else. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, There are so many other things that bring you joy and bring you value and it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And when it comes to sustainability, I think that a lot of people think that they need to be vegan and zero waste and live in the woods to like be eco-friendly. And while I am all of those things, I am here to tell you, you do not need to live in the woods and and do this journey um, to care about the planet and to do small things. And I think that that's um, really the key is that they say, I think only 3% of the population has to care about a climate change to make change and it's like you don't have to be 100% to even care or make your voice heard and I think that there's some gatekeeping in the community of being like you're not good enough and I've had a lot of comments over the last few years being like I can't believe you did this or like I can't believe you did that and like I have my nails painted right now I'll probably get like three dms being like can't believe you wore nail polish it's like <laughs> Okay. Thanks. All right. It brings me joy today, but all right. Sounds good. Thank you. Okay. I want to touch on that because that is something else where like you and I kind of do different things as leaders, but, but being a leader, there is, there can be a lot of pressure to do your thing the best and never fuck up. Not that it's fucking up to paint your nails. Like that's, that's insane. But like, do you feel the pressure? Like for me, it's like, okay, I'm like a spiritual leader and, and mindset. And so I have to, you know, sometimes it comes in where like, am I being perfectly hundred percent in line with my integrity and with my spiritual mm-hmm. values every fucking minute of the day? Um, do you feel like that with like environmentally friendly sustainability, those things? And, and how have you kind of managed that over the years? For sure. There's a lot of pressure. I think within the last two years, I have like like even more pressure to be like a good role model and like not speak out too much because you have to be like pleasing to the public. (laughs) It's like, but you like me because I'm not pleasing to the public. So it's just like weird, like, yeah, it's like, I feel like a Disney channel character where like, you can't go too, too wild because people are going to like comment on it, but you're also loved for being a little wild. So it's, it's this weird line. But I think that something that's really helped me and, you know, I have friends in this industry. I have friends that are influencers, very well known, and they want to be the best. They 
want to be the top sustainable influencer. They want to be like the person who gets called by the president. Like they want to be like it. And I think that what I'm really grateful is, is I don't have that. I didn't do sports growing up. I don't have that competitive drive. I have like this competitiveness with myself, which is very helpful because I don't see myself like needing the amount of followers or the amount of like praise that maybe other people need in this industry. For me, it's kind of like a very slow marathon because I genuinely to my core believe in myself and I didn't really love school. I, I didn't do very well as like a tester. I was good in, at school because I was like organized, but I didn't test very well on standardized tests, like ACTs, all that stuff. It just wasn't for me. It's my English is my second language. There are things that like really are hard for me. Timed tests are hard. And I remember like I would get I would beat myself up about it. Like, oh my God, like all my friends do really well on this. I went to a really good school, really competitive school. But I always had this like back to me moment where I said, I really think I'm going to be okay. Because I know that if I work as a cashier at Sephora, in two decades, I can be a senior executive at Sephora. I know that I can work and try and hard and whatever it is I decide to do. And I think that that as a, as a leader and as what you're doing or creating a business, or if you're starting something, I think there can be a lot of pressure to be at the end, like be at this like end thing, this goal, this dream that you have. And I kind of see it as the opposite. I see it as we have the ability to grow ourselves and who we are, and that will lead us to the next thing that you can't even imagine. Like I could not have imagined being where I am today, six years ago, because I just couldn't even think of it. I couldn't set that goal. Like that's who I'm going to be because I couldn't see it for myself. But I knew that if I kept working on myself, that something was going to happen and something might happen in the next decade or the next, you know, two decades. I don't know. I've done like card readings and things. And they're always like, you're going to be really successful in your late thirties. I'm like, I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Um, but there was, have, did you read Michelle Obama's book, Becoming? Not yet. There is a great scene that she describes in that book that really stood out to me because um, it is a scene of Barack Obama being like this young scrappy lawyer who's like an intern and he lived in a terrible apartment. He had a hole in his car, like a hole in the car. So like you see the road while you're driving. So he was like poor and he lived in this like terrible apartment and just spent his weekends reading and he just would read read whatever he was interested in. And then he would volunteer at church and do these like grassroots root organizations where he would like go to basements at church, and like try to talk to people to care about things. And he had no intention of being a politician. He was studying law, like no intention of becoming president. That was not his dream or on his radar, but he was working so hard on himself. And when those opportunities came and when the right connections, you know, it all happened through connections. That wasn't something he sought out to do. It just happened to be, he was at the right place at the right time, the right person, the right person pushed him to do it, to do this, to do that. And I, I've always thought of that because I think that's what the missing piece is. We are often like manifesting and goal setting and vision boarding. And it's like, how can we grow ourselves and our, our skill sets so that when the stuff comes, we're ready? because it might be better than what you envisioned, but you might not be ready. And you might not have like the feelings or the ability to communicate or articulate. And I really loved that because he never put it out like, this is what I'm gonna do. But rather like, I know, and I have so much blind faith in myself that no matter what I do, I'm gonna be great and be happy. And then it led him to so much success. And yeah, I kind of see that in, in this journey is like, we have the opportunity to, to focus on the outward or focus on the inward. And I think that can change a lot of our trajectories. Oh, I love that so much. I think it's, it's really something that I feel like hits home for a lot of people who, who may be listening and maybe are like building an online business or in some way, like if before I was building an online business, I was working in sales and I was striving, striving for promotions. Like, fucking crazy and I was like getting my MBA and I was like 12 hour days just like 
I wanted to be a vice president of sales so bad. Like that, you know what I mean? And so that transferred over to my business to being like seeking followers and seeking this and that and seeking money. And like, yeah, when when I surrendered all of that and took a step back and said like, let me just focus on the present moment. Let me focus on like growing myself and living in the present moment and actually living in it, like actually playing and enjoying and having fun versus always thinking about the goals in my head um, or obsessing rather over the goals in my head. That's when everything started to, to change and like things started to come together. And yeah, I think that when it comes to like manifestation, all that too, when we're seeking and we're pushing for things, we're pushing them away. Versus if we just allow things and feel into like how we want to feel and focus on that versus just seeking these external things, that's when everything, well, first of all, we become happier, which is the ultimate goal. And yeah, things fall together anyways, the way they're meant to. They they come to us the way they're meant to. I know. It's like every big thing that's happened in my life has happened right after a big failure. And it's been like devastating. And then the next thing happens that I didn't expect, didn't ask for, didn't call for has been like a great opportunity or a great push that you're like, whoa, okay, I hear you. All right, let's go. But I had a, I wrote down something um, because you mentioned play. Okay. Have you heard of a second childhood? No. I had a friend a few years ago tell me that she had a rough childhood and she was doing she, she said she was on her third childhood. So she said like the first childhood was her real childhood. And then she had her second childhood was like healing, healing all the trauma, the feelings she had. And then like the third childhood was her having fun. So she was an adult and she was just doing everything she wanted to do when she was a kid. She's like, I couldn't do this. So I'm doing it now. I get to take myself to the science museum because I didn't get to do it as a kid. And she was just having so much fun. And I remember thinking, yeah, okay, let's try it. And it was before the pandemic. And I was like, okay, I didn't get to do a lot of like after school activities or things like that. So I took a, a ballet class and it was like the hardest and most embarrassing thing I've ever done. And the like teacher told me to go home because I was unprepared. And, and I was like, no, I'm going to do this class. And he was like waiting for me to fall and like stop. And I didn't. And I pushed through this like advanced ballet class for the entire no dance experience. And I finished. He's like, I'm surprised you stayed. I was like, I'm surprised I stayed, but like I did it because I like felt like I needed to complete it. Um, but it was kind of this idea of, of play and tuning into like what your inner child cares about. And recently I've been thinking like, what would make my little kid self really proud? It's like the only two things I wanted to do when I was little was to be a fashion designer and to be a news anchor. It's like, there are ways that I can do that right now through sharing the news on TikTok or designing my own art and projects. Like there are ways that I can fulfill that like inner child desire and dreams right now that aren't like working for ABC or something like that. There are ways that I can do it. And I find it so interesting because like the more we play, the more in tune we are to, to all of it and the more fun we have and the more good we're feeling, the more we attract good. And I really do feel like I took that activity that that girl did and I felt like I was just attracting people into my life, friends into my life so much because I was so happy because I was just doing like fun things I wanted to do when I was a kid and like going to the museum and doing like random things that I just thought were so much fun. And we just don't play enough. Mm-hmm. I feel like this conversation has gone all over, but I love it. <laughs> I know. I know. I love it too. Um, yeah. That's so, I had totally had chills when you were explaining the like second and third childhood. I, I love that. And I want to explore that more. I feel like I might be in my second childhood right now because I've been in a period of that, just like hardcore play, hardcore, like doing what I want. Um, I think it's freaking my husband out a little bit because he's like, wow, you just do whatever you want. You never do anything you don't want to do. And I'm like, yeah, like that's my life now, (laughs) but I I, I love that. And yeah, we don't play enough. And I really, really want to encourage adults to play. Yes. And we feel like it needs to be hard because we're told life is hard and like you need to work hard. And there's, you know, there's a lot of privilege in not having to work hard. But there's also a desire that we get to create our life in a way that is easy and fun and light. 
And I find that a lot, people are like, but you need to be doing more. It's like, do I? Do I really need to be doing more? Or do you have this expectation of me to be working more hours or, you know, because I'm an entrepreneur, I need to be working every weekend and working this and that. It's like, or do I get to create what I truly want? And I think we look at entrepreneurship as like this freedom when really oftentimes where it's a cage, you're pushing, you're hustling, you're trying harder, the like Gary Vee, try, try, try. And it's not, it's, it's the ability to create what you truly want. And that might be a life, like you said, with a smaller house, but you can travel more because you're not house poor. You know, a lot of people get mortgages that are way above what they can do. And so then that means they don't have a lot of extra income to do something else. And a lot, I just, I feel like there's just so much society pressure to live your life a certain way. And it takes a lot of guts to swim against the current constantly because it doesn't end. You'll, it'll never end. There'll always be someone being like, oh. yeah. You know, I think you listening, you know what it is for you. You know, you know what it is you want and who you want to be. And that there's so much fear in, in being that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It takes a lot of courage to go against the grain. And I definitely felt when I was buying my house, I felt a lot of um, pressure that I imagined was there, I think, of people of wanting to live in a house that people would think something of or whatever. And I had just bought a car that was way too expensive at the time, <laughs> like, because I was very caught up in what are people going to think about this life? And, but okay, let's, let's turn a little bit into sustainability. I definitely want to dive into a little more like eco-friendly stuff with you. Um, you know, my husband and I, we've lived in our house for four years and we just started recycling maybe like a month or two ago. So we're like babies at this. We kept saying, oh, we really need to start recycling. And then the other one would be like, yeah, we really do. And it just didn't happen. And I think I felt a lot of the feeling of, but all of the things are happening in the world, regardless of what I do, I'm just one person. What do you say to to that? Or maybe there's maybe there's a feeling too of like, yeah, but like, is it going to be, is it going to be me doing enough? That feeling of, oh, well, I'd have to go all in. What do you kind of say to that? Yeah. You know, I think right now there's this huge pressure that, you know, 70% of our emissions are a couple companies and yes, you know, there is government action that needs to be there. There is corporate action that needs to be done. But I think at a basis to people forget that consumers really change how corporations go and how government goes. We elect our officials. They want to be reelected. They want to listen to the majority. Because if the majority cares about something, things will happen. And I think that that's what we tend to think like, oh, we're just one person. Nothing's going to really impact it until you realize that everything you do in your life has a huge ripple effect that you will never see. And you telling me that you start recycling first, let's celebrate that because that's a big thing that a lot of people don't have, especially here in Florida. A lot of people don't have access to recycling. It's just like not a thing. And so you're like, okay, there's like little steps you can do. And I had a coworker, I worked with her for like two, maybe three years in person. And I was just the weird intern who would like show up with like a glass full of green juice and my own food. And, and she just thought it was so weird. And like the best way she was like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like they had no idea behind the scenes. I was like building this little like eco-friendly empire and like doing all this stuff. But like, they just thought I was like in-person weird. Cause I would like take my recycling home and, and just do things that were so out of the box for what they were used to. But she watched and they all watched as time went on. And I think that that was such a beautiful moment because as I was leaving this company, finally like growing into myself and doing my own thing, I realized, wow, like they're using reusable mugs. I was like, who are they? Okay. All right. And then I was like, oh, they're not using Ziploc bags. They're using those reusable bags. I was like, okay. And then she like went up to me and she's like, I am, she's in her forties. She had never in her entire life recycled. And she goes, I just replaced my trash can with a small trash can because I realized that everything I was throwing away was recyclable. And I don't need a big trash can anymore. And I was like, wow, okay. I didn't tell her what to do. I like 
was there for a completely different reason, unsustainable. So I was like, I wasn't talking to them. They didn't know I was working on sustainable projects. They didn't know I volunteered. They didn't know my personal life at all. They just knew the little snippets, the weird girl with mason jars with her green juice and like or my own fork. And I would like wash my own plate while they all use disposables. That's all they knew. That's all they saw. But it was enough for them over time for it to like click in their heads and be like, huh, what can I do? Like this girl's going like crazy. Like what can I do at home and kind of start to change that way? And I think sometimes I get overwhelmed with social media and thinking like, why am I doing this? Why am I wasting my energy on this? And then you'll get a message being like, hey, I was really inspired by your videos. And I decided to run for office of the Green Party of, I don't remember if it was Sweden or Norway, it was some random country. And I won. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like this random human I have never heard in a country I have never been to has run for their little local office in the Green Party and has won. And being like, you never know who's watching you and you never know who's listening to you, whether it's in person or online. And I think there's something really beautiful in that of saying there is a huge impact based on what you do. People won't listen to what you say as much as people watch what you do. And I think kids model a lot. So if you do something in front of your child, your child will end up like, you know, doing something similar. And yeah, you're one person, but you have a huge network. And I think everyone is an influencer. The term has been tainted because of the like influencer industry, but I think everyone genuinely has a circle of influence and that can really make a huge impact. Yeah, I love that so much. And I feel like when people in our environment, our friends, our family members, it's almost like if I think it's more powerful when we're not preaching to them about things. Like I could go to everyone I know and be like, you have to start meditating. It's so incredible. Like you should do it. Or I can just be an example of someone who's doing it and they start to pick up on it along the way. So I think just showing up like you did with your, you know, bringing your own silverware and things like that, it's probably best to even, like, there's no need to, to do that. And I think sometimes we push people away when we preach. And I think, yeah, like thinking to childhood, it's like, I think a lot of parents are under the impression that my kids are going to do the things I tell them to do. I'm going to say what I think they should feel and do and but, but kids are going to inherit the way the parent feels about themselves and what they right. model. So, um, and, and we're so impressionable as adults, you know, we become the people we spend time around. We are so influenced by our friends, um, and the people we're our coworkers, people we're around. So yeah, whether you have like a large social media following and it's the people like the lady who, who ran for, for that position or just a coworker, it's, we all have that impact and we can all make little choices. I think that really, like you said, do create a ripple effect. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I've noticed lately too, like I, I noticed that when I go to like buy, I'll buy like one item. It could be an item in a bag and the, the cashier puts it in a bag, in a plastic bag. And at least where I live, no one ever says like, do you need a bag? And I'm, I'm like, Oh, I don't need a bag. Oh, are you sure? Yes, you're giving me like one little tiny item or like something in a bag already. Um, I feel like that's just like one tiny step we can do is just just being conscious of like, do I need to put this item in a bag or can I just carry this in my hand or put it in my purse? Um, but it's things like that that like I wasn't really being conscious of until recently. So what are some what are some little things people can do that can get them kind of started because it does feel good when you make those choices and you know that you're you're doing something beautiful for the planet like what are some little things it goes back to intention and consciousness and like you said you weren't conscious of it because you weren't thinking about it you went to cvs you got the thing you needed you have a million things on your head you have meetings you have calls okay you're checking out you're not really paying attention to the guy okay you walk out you don't even notice that the person's putting it in the back because we're so distracted and we're so you know, in this, this head instead of what's going on. And so I really think that asking yourself what you can consciously do every single day is really helpful because setting goals, like I'm going to be vegan or I'm going to be zero waste. They're very lofty and they don't help because our seasons in life are always going to change. 
your finances are going to change. Your stress levels are going to change. Your situation is going to change. And so instead of doing something like, I don't tell people like you need to reduce your waste. No, I tell people like, Hey, how can you be more intentional today? And that might be, Hey, I'm running out of toothpaste. I'm going to open the bottle and scrape the last bits off and use it and then go pick up one. Maybe I'm going to pick a more sustainable one. Maybe not because it doesn't fit my budget. That's fine. And like figuring out what is the right fit for you. And it boils down to like, we don't have a connection to the earth. And I've been getting really into plants. So it's like my new like obsessive topic is like learning about plants and herbal medicine. And when you like learn from these gurus and these very woohoo people, but you learn, you're like, wow, everything has a spirit. You're like, yeah, everything does have a spirit, I guess. And I have like, I've had plants literally tell me their names. And been like, that's weird. Like Rita. Okay. Like, but you're like, you know, I'm a little, the spirituality is still a little like, okay, but okay, Rita. All right, let's, let's go. Um, but you realize, okay, everything has a spirit. Everything has something then that helps you kind of connect better to, to the earth and think better. Like, okay, where's this food coming from? Like, how is this food being treated? Like, how is this plant being treated? Like, are we spraying pesticides? Are we um, killing it with all these plastic bags? Like, I saw this um, guy on TikTok, he exposed the uh, pig feed. And so I guess they were sending all this unused food to make pig feed, but they weren't taking it out of the plastic bags. So they just grind it down with the plastic bags and then feed it to the pigs. So the pigs are eating microplastics and then we humans eat the pigs. And so we're just eating microplastics. And like, he was just exposed it. He's like, this is ridiculous. I'm so sick of this. Like, this is what the reality is. And you're thinking like, okay, we know the pig is a being because like we're more connected to animals. And it's like, okay, this pig is a being, but we're giving it this. And then we're eating that. Like, how does it affect us? How does it affect our intentionality or our health, anything? And asking those kind of like bigger question pictures, one is a privilege because not a lot of people have the time or energy to think about that stuff. They're just, they're trying to survive. So like, let's acknowledge that that's hard. Um, but then when you kind of take a couple steps back, you realize, okay, wow, this is, this is going on. How can I be more intentional about my consumption? Whether that's your meat consumption, maybe it's eating meat once a day. Some Americans eat it three times a day. And that like blows my mind because I've never in my life grown up like that. But that is the norm for a lot of people. It's breakfast, lunch, and dinner has meat. And you're like, okay, hey, what if you just do one, one, once a day? What if you do once a week? What if you do twice a month? And you eat like a really good piece of meat. That's like super intentional and can make a huge impact. And so it's finding what fits in your life and what you consume. I did kind of like a... I audited my life similar to how in finances to make a budget, you audit your finances and you know what you're spending. I kind of saw that in myself to see what I was consuming, not just sustainable. I've done it with what I'm consuming of social media. And like you said, TV, I've, I've looked at everything to see like, what am I doing and how can I tweak it? If I say, you know, when we clean out our kitchen and we take everything out, we get overwhelmed. And then we're like, oh my God, this is too much. But if we start by one door, it gets easier. And so that's kind of how I see sustainability. I wouldn't suggest anyone go to the extreme like I did, because <laughs> um, I think it's a lot. Um, but I would say like, start with one aspect of your life, whether that's your bathroom or how you shop or where you eat and finding the right flow for you energetically, health-wise, um, mood-wise, maybe community-wise. There's so many great ways to get your produce from local community and it helps you feel involved and a part of something. And then you can start from there and that might be making sure you don't get a plastic bag when you have just one item. Or, you know, a lot of the times the employees don't realize. And then when you tell the employee, they might think about it and it plants a seed in their head and it has a big ripple effect. I've had very early on before like sustainability was cool. I was at an airport and I ordered my meal and I was really nervous and I was like kind of insecure. I was like, excuse me, sir, can I get my drink? But with no straw. And he walked away. And then he came back to the table and I thought he was going to tell us like we're out of food or yell at us. He just seemed so serious, like walking back to the table. And he's like, I just, I just have to know why no straw. And I was like, oh 
yeah, um, okay, well, the straws end up in the ocean and we're right by the ocean. And I was telling him my whole little like eco-friendly spiel, like stumbling through it. And I realized like this man had never in his life considered that straw was plastic, it was disposable and it would have harm after this like 20 minute use. And I have never seen this man again. I left the airport. He thought I was really cool. I was like 19 and this man was like, you know, probably like 56. And I have no idea how that impacted his life because that's not my journey, my story, but I planted a seed in his head and then maybe he won't put a straw in all the drinks or maybe he will request no straws or maybe when the straw band and the straw things became popular, maybe he'll be like, oh, I remember that. Um, or that might inspire other decisions in his life. And I think that you know, the straw movement gets a lot of like hate, but I think it was a good like first step for a lot of people. You know, you tell people to, to leave their meat and to leave seafood and, and that's like too much for people. And I think it was a first good step. It's not the only step, um, but ultimately, you know, we each have the power to do something, but that something will be different for you than for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something I really love about your message and um, the way that you go about all of this and your energy is like, I'll be honest, sometimes, um, sometimes I can be a little overwhelmed by, I'm just going to call it the way I sometimes see it as like the angry activist. Now, some people, there's nothing wrong with it if you feel passionate about a subject and that's the way that your, your soul desires and it really feels good to you to speak out in a way that um, projects anger, that's sometimes needed. Like, that's fine. I turn away from that stuff. Um, whether it's like angry feminism or angry about some, some belief around COVID or angry about, I shut that stuff off. I, I can't, that's just not for me. What I love about your approach, it doesn't seem, you don't seem angry that I'm sure that you are, obviously you're very passionate about this. Obviously, you probably do feel some angry when you learn different stats about what's going on with this ocean and things like that. But you come from almost like, you know, um, it's like it's like Martin Luther King and, and, and people like that that always say, like, you can't fight hate with hate. Right. And you, you come from love. And, um, you know, I think it was Mother Teresa that that refused to go to a protest because she didn't want that to be involved in the anger. She wanted like a, a, um, other approaches, right? So it's like, I really respect that. And for me personally, I'm, I'm much more willing to go along and, and follow someone, let's say on social media, that's a loving activist coming from a gentle place of, hey, you don't have to be perfect. Here are some things you can do versus the angry, let me tell you how fucked up this is. Right. I mean, I think there's a lot of power in that. No, and for sure, I I've had whenever I'm like super angry, it always ends up being art. <laughs> and so like my super frustrating moments have always ended up being like really beautiful art pieces made out of trash. Uh, but those are normally like the points where I'm like, I hate everything. I'm so mad. Like, oh, and like sometimes like the Florida politics will get me. But I think um, it's been really helpful to live in Florida um, because it is a swing state. There are so many different views. I spent a lot of time in very rural, very conservative country, and it's helped me a lot to understand. And, you know, I'm marrying into a former hunting family and I'm a vegan and it's really funny because they have like stuffed animals on the walls and stuff. And it's helped me so much understand that there is synergy in sustainability from like vegans to hunters because a lot of hunters are cons conservationists and they do a lot of um good and they do a lot of mad depending on who they are but um I think that that like having both point of views is really helpful and then maybe a lot of my fellow activists who live in California and Los Angeles and New York and San Francisco they don't ever get that they live in their bubble which is like very angry like we're saving the world they don't get it versus like I spent a lot of my time trying to convince Republican fishermen about the environment and finding common pain points mm -hmm. and I think that that's the key it's like this goes beyond politics and political parties and rather this is how can we both come together for something that affects both of us and it's been quite the experience for me to have to go through it and have to also like understand. And then I find myself getting really angry about problems of the other party and thinking, 
oh, like I'll hear someone be like, oh, even with, you know, everything going on in, in Texas, people are like, did you know that the states that are doing this are the uneducated states, like the states with the lowest education rate? You're like, have you ever thought why they have the lowest education rate? Have you ever looked into the lack of access and equality of education in rural America? And then I go on like crazy tangents because I don't think people understand. I think it's really easy to divide right now instead of thinking like, hey, I grew up this way. I believe this way and I think it, but how can I understand why someone feels that way and also find how to help them find what matters to them for the common good? And I think that that's been a great experience of saying like, why does a, a, a fisherman care about the planet? It's because they're fishing and pulling out balloons. So you'd start talking to them. Have you have like, you've been seeing a lot of balloons in the ocean? They're like, yeah. And like, they'll tell you these stories. I'm like, yeah, I know it's really frustrating, isn't it? You know, we have a meeting, uh, you know, next week. I would, I would love for it for you to come and, and to have the support of your group. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But if you tell them like, climate change and blah, blah, blah. They're gonna, they're just gonna shut down. They're gonna be like yeah. crazy hippie. Like, I don't wanna be involved with this. Like, you're crazy. Um, and I had this beautiful moment with this older woman. She referred to people as suffering people. And it really resonated with me because I, you know, I spent a lot of time with people who don't look like me in any which way from their eating habits to their views to, you know, that is where I am. I'm like the outcast in these communities where I spend a lot of time in. And I realize like they need what I have and not in the way that like, I'm like saving them or anything, not like that, but in a way that like a lot of us are so asleep and distracted and I can help guide them and introduce them to things that maybe they've never even been exposed to or considered or may never be exposed to because that's not in their circle. And I think each one of us has the power of showing up in a way that is helpful or showing up in a way that is um, going to further divide and further, you know, angry people. And we all have a message. You have a message we all have something to share and something to create. And I think that's finding the beauty of how do you share that message without making people, people feel less than or not enough, because at the end of the day, everyone is enough in what they know. And we can guide and shape and introduce people to spirituality or, or manifesting or whatever your business sells, but we can do it in a way that like honors where they're at and, you know, helps yeah yeah that is beautiful i i think that it's so important i it's so easy right now and it always has been this way there's always been something but to, obviously I, I mean to me it feels as though the powers that be are create want division a two-party system makes that very simple because you can convince the other one that the other people are fucking crazy and they're idiots and i think that is like the most dangerous thing going on right now and i think when we have when we are in that it's really hard to be willing to understand the quote other side which are really just humans who have a different perspective i also think it's insane to i, I don't know how the views on one side if you want to be a democrat you have to believe all these things and then what does your brain do it says oh i'm a democrat let me let me yeah of course i'm going to believe all these things that we have a bias that's how our brain works and if we don't ever spend time being open to the other, quote, other side of things, other perspectives, our brain is just going to hone in on our bias when really we often do want the same things as someone else who looks different and sounds different and comes from a different background and votes differently. We, we often want a lot of the same things. So I think it's really important to be in a different environment. And I, I'm kind of like that here. And, where I live and with my, sure. you know, like I married, yeah, my husband's from like a farming family, of, you know, very different from how I grew up and very different beliefs from how I grew up. But I think it's been so huge because I, I can learn a different perspective. And I think that that's just so, so, so important to, to be able to look at all the perspectives 
and not just allow our brain to do what it will naturally do and hone in and bypass all the other things that are in front of our face. So. And that's something beautiful that travel will help you do even further. It's saying like, Hey, you're in a whole new environment with different people who are like loving life in different ways and caring about different issues. And I think that that's so beautiful. And we have the power of that in our cell phone. We have the power of connecting with people all over the world, listening and, and doing this. And it's so cool because we get to do that without even leaving our house, um, but we need to be open to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. I have, I think I have one more question for you or maybe a few more, but I have to know about van living. I see that you are living in a van. I need to know the good, the bad, the ugly. What can you tell us? Cause I think so many of us are like, Ooh, van living, but I want to know, like, what is it like? For sure. I think van life is very glamorized. <laughs> I, I would say that I think my personality fits van life probably better than my fiance does and we did this van life together so I met him and like two weeks later he bought this van um and we were not dating we were just like getting to know each other but it kind of became this like bonding experience of saying like okay well help me build up the van and definitely may have contributed to how we ended up together um but it took a long time so the build took we did it ourselves he did it mostly I can't actually take credit for most of the projects I am not handy at all but um yeah it took him more than a year like probably like a year and a half to actually build out because there's a lot that goes into it from solar panels to electrical to flooring to there's so many like moving parts that if you just don't know what you're doing you don't really know what you're doing um but he did a great job of setting it all up but then yeah we've gone on a couple month-long trips we did one in the winter which was definitely rough because it was at one point negative 17 degrees and the whole car froze and the heater froze and everything froze it was valentine's day and he walked to the store to see if he could get an extra heater to heat the engine of the car and came back with roses and the roses froze on the way to the car um, so when he came they were all like falling apart because and like crumbling on the ground because it was so cold so there's definitely been some experiences where you're like this is not fun um but there's been some amazing experiences where you find yourself in beautiful places completely off grid it has i've had a lot less service like cell service so i find myself really unplugged and it's given me time to like reflect and connect to the earth um but I definitely, I mean, it's an experience in minimalism for sure of like only things you have are in here and anything you bring into the home, into the vehicle um, will weigh it down and make it less eco-friendly and make less, you know, gas. So like you really have to be conscious of like what you bring in. Um, so it's an experience. I like it. And I think that I could do it on like a longer term, but I think as a couple, we're both ready to have a home. <laughs> especially during the pandemic. I think, I think if we hadn't been in the pandemic, things would have been different because we would have like met up with friends in different States and, you know, gone to coffee shops and had fun. But with this, like, it's a risk, like everything you do outside, it's just like an extra added risk. And like, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to spread it. We don't want to bring it to people. So it's definitely hasn't been as like exciting in those terms but there's been a lot of nature i've seen a lot of bears this Ooh, year yes good. a lot of bears it's been like the year of bears wow okay well thanks for sharing all of that <laughs> um okay so my last question I, I know you mentioned the book um essentialism um which i'm guessing is about like you know intentional living and, and all of that do you have any other favorite books that can be in the in the realm of eco sustainability whatever or anything else Yes, for sure. Okay, but there's a book that's not eco-friendly, but I always recommend it to people. It's called The Slight Edge, which is kind of about like compound interest, but in your own life and like the choices you make and how they lead them lead you to different um, outcomes. And I really love it because I think we often don't realize how small little things happen in our life. And it helped me reshape because sometimes you feel like, man, I'm like not doing enough. Like the day is going by and I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. But when you think about it in the perspective of this like compound interest effect, and I know there's other books that talk about it, you realize, oh, wow, you're doing so much every day. It's going to lead you to something 
in five years and it's slow. It's a marathon. Um, so that book is really helpful and I've loved it. Um, there is a book, if you want to go like extreme minimalism, there's called a book called goodbye things. And it's very good. Cause it just like puts it into perspective. Cause this guy who's like extreme, like he has like one cup and like <laughs> one chair. Um, and it's like a very extreme, but it makes you think, and it makes you, um, realize that we have this like emotional attachment to things that like don't carry the emotions. Um, and it's been a really good book to help me when it comes into sustainability, I love um, Plastic Free Life by Beth Terry. Um, most of the zero waste books are pretty fantastic and just books that kind of get you started and, and learning things. Um, I think that would be my recommendation. Oh, I love it. Awesome. Thank you for, I've heard of The Slight Edge. I've definitely heard of that one. Um, yeah, thank you. Okay, so where can we find you? How can we learn more? How can we follow your journey? I know you have an Instagram. Your Instagram is so freaking cute, which I honestly do think is important. Like obviously Instagram is a visual platform. And I think, um, again, like I, I love your, I, I think you have a loving approach with it. I think you have a gentle approach. That's really, um, it just doesn't feel super intimidating. And I love that about it. So tell us your Instagram handle and, and anywhere else we can find you. Yeah. So I'm the girl gone green on pretty much all platforms. So we still have videos up on YouTube, although I'm not posting regularly. We're now on TikTok, which is a whole journey in itself, um, Facebook and Instagram. Um, but I, I connect a lot through Instagram stories and yeah. Amazing. Well, thanks Manuela. Um, enjoy the rest of your van adventure if you are hopping back <laughs> in there anytime soon. If I'm ever, if we're ever in the same area, we have to connect. I'd love to meet you in person. Yes. Um, and yeah. yeah, thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening and, and being a part of this journey. I know that so many of us have so much that we're, we care about and we're powerful. And I think that you have the ability to create change. Everyone listening has the ability to create change and, you know, you just have to take those small steps to get there. So thank you. Yeah. Love it. Love it.